You're very welcome to episode 76 of The Shortlist. My name is Johnny Campbell. I'm your host for the next 40, 45 minutes. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Social Talent. And we're going to be discussing today from Hollywood to hiring, the importance of embedding diversity. And I'm going to just tell a story first before we kick off, as I found this profoundly interesting uh, when I heard this um, many years ago, but I wasn't aware of it at the time. But I was I was a kid, and you should probably know about me. Um, I worked in a video store from when I was 11 to 18, and I was obsessed with movies. Still am today. I was in the cinema last night uh, till 11.30 at night, my popcorn away. But I love movies. I love TV. I love entertainment. And I became obsessed with, TV, with movies, movies in particular uh, over that seven, eight-year period of my teenage years, working in a video store, watching all these movies over and over and over again. And so I love the impact that Hollywood and the movie industry can have, Bollywood as well, or anywhere that you're making great media and entertainment. And many years ago, I heard the story of the origin of the concept of the designated driver. And the designated driver, which we all probably know today, is one where you know, somebody designates themselves the driver so that if you're in a, a setting where people are drinking alcohol, someone says, I'm the designated driver, I'll drive folks home. That wasn't always the way. I know my parents' generation, everybody just went to the pub and drunk and everyone drove home and it wasn't terribly good. And there were lots of initiatives to try and drive that influence, uh, drive um, this idea of somebody not drinking and driving everyone home. And it wasn't catching on very well. And back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, a bunch of folks representing uh, lobby, lobbying groups trying to you know, reduce the amount of deaths through uh, 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 dangerous driving and, and uh, alcohol-related deaths uh, went to some of the big studio heads to try and see how could they use Hollywood to influence this. And the concept was introduced on uh, a few shows like, uh, I believe, Law and & Order and um, Friends eventually as well, and other shows, The Cosby Show as well, where a character was introduced in these settings who's going to be the designated driver. And its influence was unbelievable. It became something that people just use they knew this concept of the designated driver because hey it's in the movies and tv shows and how we normalize things uh, can really go a long way to people accepting something is just the way it is and hollywood can be a really important uh, can play a really important role in normalizing things and in advancing the dni movement today you know, visual mainstream representations of diversity can really help massively normalize conversations and promote a lot of inclusion. But it's also never been more important for companies to truly embed this same tactic in their own organizations to kind of learn from Hollywood and how they push for greater diver uh, diversity and inclusion in the organizations. So TV shows, movie shows are evolving. We see it all around us to authentically represent a kind of broader spectrum of humanity. And we're hoping organizations will follow suit. So today we've invited on the show our very special guest um, to discuss the impressive way that NBC Universal, uh, a massive media giant, you may recognize them from the producers of this poster that sits behind me. For those of you who watch the video feed of the podcast, Do the Right Thing, a Spike Lee joint from the late 80s, or you know, Jurassic Park from the 90s, our friends uh, from the 90s as well, behind so many big movies and TV shows and entertainment vehicles that many of us are, uh, may know, have enjoyed over the years. But uh, joining us today is Susan Village, and Susan is the VP of Global Talent Acquisition with NBC Universal. And she's going to be chatting with us about NBC Universal's Meet the Moment initiative. And we'll get to this later in the show, which is a kind of series of internal sessions that promotes education on various topics like implicit bias, social identity, belonging, uh, creating access, and also how important L&D has been 
for people managers and hiring teams in the company to help consistently further the diversity and inclusion cause. Susan, you're very welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you. I wonder if you wouldn't mind giving us a bit of introduction to you. Where are you joining us uh, in the world today? Um, you know, a bit of background as to your career and why this topic is particularly of importance to you. Sure, sure. Thank you, Johnny, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm Susan Vulai. I am currently the Vice President of Global Talent Acquisition at NBC Universal. Um, I'm dialing in from New York, um, out in Rockland County, which is uh, we're headquartered in um, in New York City. Um, and for me, this topic, and I'm again excited to be here to talk about this, uh, the DEI and what we're doing, because it's so uh, embedded in what we do with regards to talent acquisition, right? We, uh, as recruiters, and I believe I'm a recruiter at heart, um, help guide people into and within the organization. And we, of course, want, you know, our uh, organization to represent the community uh, that we live in. So happy to chat more about this. And I've already uh, made a faux pas mispronouncing your surname, Susan. Oh. Susan. So my apologies for that. Um, that's not that's not a good start, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make up for that. Susan, okay. I want to jump into some news articles, and I want to start with something that made the news earlier this year from NBC Universal, um, and it was in Forbes, and it was how NBC Universal are making uh, what is a bold stand in a pledge to audition more disabled actors. So we'll share the article uh, for those of you listening live on LinkedIn and YouTube, and welcome your comments and thoughts. We'll I'll put it, also put it into the show notes. And in this article, um, uh, Forbes reported on uh, a foundation pledge called the, the Ruderman Family Foundation, I believe it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, called, which was a pledge or more like a call to action to hold the industry, the, the TV and movie industry accountable um, for, for making more change. And if I understand correctly, uh, what this meant was uh, providing more opportunity at the, at the level of auditioning for roles within uh, within the studio system, within uh, the TV shows and movies out there. Wonderful, can you walk me through uh, what exactly this means, uh, what's happening uh, and what, 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 what it's trying to achieve as well, sure. Susan? Sure. Um, so in terms of, you know, organizations like the Ruderman Foundation and ourselves, you know, setting the tone around DEI initiatives like this is extremely important. 15% um, of the world's population are living with a disability. That's 1.2 billion people. And every step that we take and other organizations take is a step closer to achieving uh, inclusion in the industry. Uh, my talent acquisition, acquisition team doesn't necessarily recruit for um, the folks that are in front of the camera. Uh, we have a dedicated team of professionals that do so, and I have to say I'm very proud of the work that they're doing. Um, but as the article mentioned, um, we've partnered with an organization called the Ruderman Family Foundation, which is a philanthropic organization that is uh, committed to inclusion of uh, children and adults with disabilities. Um, and organizations like this hold, you know, our company and others in the industry accountable for the work that we still need to do to see systemic change. Um, in the article, we mentioned the pledge that we will um, increase the number of auditions for actors and actresses with disabilities in TV and film. Um, the pledge represents um, a, a group-wide commitment across a number of businesses at NBC Universal. We have our Universal Studio Group, 
our NBC network, our Universal Filmed Entertainment team, um, and our Peacock uh, streaming service. So we hope in doing so, in, in taking this pledge and taking the stance that others will join us in striving to create more opportunities for people with disabilities. I think it's a, it's an important uh, point to make, which is the access to opportunity. I remember a few years ago, uh, one of my team reported on uh, something here in Ireland, Susan may not be aware of, which was we ran um, local elections um, uh, many, many years ago that were being influenced because the funding for the political parties who were putting candidates into the election uh, was going to be curtailed or cut if you didn't have a certain level of representation for, for female candidates. Uh, uh, politicians, because there was whatever the level of of um, you know a female versus male politicians in Irish society was mm -hmm. X and Y, and so therefore to get the funding you had to make sure you had enough female candidates on on the ballot. So most of the parties you know uh, put more female candidates out that year, and you may have argued before that that you know what the right amount of people are being voted into politics in Ireland based on you know who wants to go and work in politics as a woman and as a man etc. But what was really interesting was that the rate at which women got voted in was exactly the same as the rate at which men got voted in. Overall, the numbers across those local elections the first year it happened. And we massively increased the amount of women in politics because we had a mechanism to give more people opportunity to be mm -hmm. considered in the first place. So arguments, and you get this in recruiting uh, a lot. I know, Susan, I'm sure you've come across where folks would say, well, you know what, you know, we are hiring what's out there, you know, so it's okay. But actually the real kind of influence you can make is give folks the opportunity to be on the ballot or at the audition or on the shortlist. Like, does that translate to you in your recruiting world? Do you see that, it, it, you know, once you give opportunity and access, you do see the results pull through over time? For sure, for sure. And like you said, it's about giving the opportunity, right? Um, and being self-aware of what's happening um, and, and what's going on. Um, I have to say, you know, I just wanted to share a little plug here that Comcast NBC Universal was rated one of the best places to work for disability inclusion. Uh, by the Disability Equality Index uh, earlier this year. One thing I'll share is that we at NBCU have an accessibility director. Um, it's a role uh, in our organization, and she also serves as uh, a global advisor to our ERG called My Abilities. And her role is basically to help um, create a more accessible environment, right, at NBC Universal across all of our businesses. Um, to educate our product organizations around digital accessibility. So like some examples are like the Olympics website, our career website, our application process, some of our mobile applications, just making sure that we're taking into account um, that this is fully accessible, right, to all. Um, and, and this sort of creating this inclusion is um, has to be this uh, an ongoing training effort. We have to have continuous leadership support. There has to be continued commitment um, and an open mindset, right? That this is something that this, you know, these initiatives are something that don't happen overnight, Johnny, right? They take, they take time and this is always a work in progress. And I think understanding that, right? There's no like one action that we can take today that will, to fix everything, right? Or that it change everything overnight. 
Yeah, I think it's important. And it's also, I know we've been talking about disabilities for the last few minutes, uh, and we'll focus on that a little bit as well. We also recognize uh, the range of, of elements by which uh, people are discriminated out there in the employment market. We've got a listener live at the moment, David Brennigan in Boston, just commenting on how, you know, from his perspective, discrimination is at an all-time high against gay, you know, he's described gay men like him in the Boston area, um, desperately struggling to find a job and also his age, so ageism. Um, and uh, and potentially potentially his sexuality you know coming into play. Uh, really sorry to hear that, David. It, it it is something that we're seeing out there. You know, we we addressed it a couple of weeks ago on the show around issues around gender. Uh, there's issues around age. There's issues around disabilities. You know, so many different pockets and cohorts that are struggling. Um, so so keen to kind of understand from your perspective, Susan, when you look at you know you know what's working well and the efforts being made to be more positive i i noticed recently that when you talk about you know what, what the impact of something is i i saw that the the the, the mec is is starting to produce and peak up produce more shows that are proving that the access has been given there and i noticed there was a there was a new show commissioned i think it, it came out this fall in the us that features a young actor who uh, has a disability herself as the lead actress. Unusual, still, unfortunately, today, uh, despite the fact that you know more than twenty percent of folks out there um, have a disability of some 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 type. But what can you tell me? Talk me through the show for those of you, those of us listening in Europe who maybe might, might not be familiar with with the show, what the show is, and, and what it's striving to do. Sure. So, uh, like you mentioned, the show, uh, La Brea has a uh, main actress who is an amputee. And like I said earlier, increasing the auditions for uh, actors and actresses that are disabled is a pledge that we're taking, right? I think historically, uh, organizations have hired actors um, who have sort of altered their role to sort of fit in versus authentically representing, uh, you know, the role. In addition to La Brea, there were a couple of others that I can mention. Um, this Is Us, New Amsterdam, Ordinary Joe, La Brea, and then Peacock's Born for Business. Uh, these shows promote uh, authentic representation and inclusive of people with disabilities. And actually, just tying back to the, to the Ruderman Family Foundation that we mentioned um, earlier, uh, we actually received um, a seal of authentic representation from them for our show, This Is Us. Uh, the show actually features an actor who has a vision impairment that we casted in the role of a blind musician. So again, tying that real representation in, into our shows. Yeah, I, I, I one of the articles I mentioned, um, what, I, what I've noticed in myself watching you know, TV shows and movies in the last few years, is that more and more you have folks cast uh, not because of their disability or their gender or their race. Uh, the role doesn't require somebody to have a disability, for example. It's not part of the story or that it's not mm -hmm. about somebody who is of a certain race or it's not about somebody who has a certain gender, but they are playing that role that is, call it, you know, uh, an independent role that, you know, it's just about a person and not about anything else. And, right. you know, I think what you saw is diverse actors being port, you know playing only diverse characters where their diversity was central to the plot I, i'm loving to see that that's becoming more incidental you know it's you know you might have somebody for example who has a prosthetic 
and it's that's not the storyline. They just happen to be playing the role right. of that character who happens to have a prosthetic or happens to be blind or happens to uh, be gay or happens to be whatever, you know, which is fantastic. You know, it's mm -hmm. moving beyond that. And when the article referenced that, you know, Marley Matlin was one of those only exceptions in Hollywood for so long as, uh, as a deaf actor portraying deaf roles. And it, while she became very successful, there's very few other uh, examples mm -hmm. from the past, uh, which 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 is, I think, I think this is beginning to change. I, I'm going to push on um, to a third article I wanted to reference, which was uh, reported in Inc. recently, and it's actually you know looking at what companies are doing. So I think it's awesome what Hollywood's doing. I want to bring it to the company level uh, and talk about in their hiring and workplaces what organizations are doing to make the workplace more diverse um, and more broadly looking at other industries. And this is a report by Lever, the um, ATS CRM tool, uh, which reveals really big misalignment, I, I would argue, between employers and employees. Um, you know, and, and the one that really stood to me, Susan, was 97% of employers, like 97%, nearly every employer said they've introduced new inclusion measures. Right. Um, but 24% said, no, 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 our companies hasn't, haven't, which is a big disconnect. What do you think explains that disconnect uh, that's out there? Right. I think there's this, um, you know, disconnect because we have this larger employee population that feels uh, certain ways or, or want to share their opinions. And then other parts of the organization that are just moving forward. Right. Like you said, like 90 percent of employers are sharing that they're introduced new inclusion measures. And I think that uh, there is a lot of work that still needs to be done um, and that alignment is critical, you know, throughout and uh, the organization. Uh, I think we need to devote more attention and resources to advancing diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, companies need to, uh, I, I think before acting, need to take a step back and become a bit more self-aware uh, and conscious about diversity. Um, it has to be front and center. It has to be embedded um, in our day-to-day -day and you know how we show up and how we act and, and how we talk. Um, we need to go beyond just merely calling attention to it. And I feel like maybe some some folks in the article, you know, feel like there's just attention on it with sort of no action behind it. Um, I just jumping into NBC a bit, uh, some of the actions that we took uh, as of late were around um, sharing, right? A leadership accountability. Um, we do a survey, a company-wide survey almost every two years. And earlier this year in May, we put an additional focus on inclusive culture. Um, and these surveys, whether they're twice a year, once a year, pulse surveys are an absolute great opportunity uh, for employers to listen to the collective uh, voice of the employees, right? Like people will share how they, how they feel. Uh, we also encouraged company-wide and to our leaders um, around ERG participation, our employee resource groups, right? Learn about them. What are they? Um, get involved. Become an active member. Become a panelist. Be a member. Uh, 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 be a mentor. Uh, become an executive sponsor. Just, again, a lot around the sort of education and awareness of what we have already in place and have had for for decades. Um, and there were two other sort of specific anti-bias trainings that we did. Um, one was specifically for the hiring process mm. um, and around, you know, identifying uh, the bias, learning what it is, because quite often we, we, we have these biases and we actually don't even know 
that it's there, right? Um, and then the other was the anti-bias training for uh, performance management training. Um, so those are two sort of initiatives that that we took. And, you know, I know we'll talk about Meet the Moment a little bit later, uh, but that was a, a very uh, uh, large platform for us to share with our employee population around what's going on and the conversations that are happening in our organization. Well, well that's probably a good time to dig into that because I, you know, I was really intrigued to hear about this initiative, Meet the Moment. So sure. wonder could you walk us through what it was, maybe the background as to why it was created, um, sure. what it was and what the results were from that, what was the reaction from employees, the results that you saw as well through the initiative? Sure. Um, so Meet the Moment is a company-wide specific DEI initiative uh, that we designed to challenge inspire and unite our organization in ways that would create lasting and, and meaningful change. We launched it back in October of 2020. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a year long awareness and education effort. Uh, we had four distinct learning events. We brought in uh, external experts and scholars and authors and leaders and writers. And we had folks internally, we had employees and our own uh, uh, internal population as well. Um, and it was, uh, or it is, I should say, Meet the Moment is dedicated to uh, educating our employee population um, to be able to have honest conversations um, and creating an environment where everyone is treated with respect um, and our differences are uh, embraced and celebrated. You know, what I will say, what I've learned myself um, personally throughout throughout all of this with Meet the Moment is that everyone approaches it differently. There's diversity in ourselves and in how we show up and how we approach mm. the topic and the conversation. So, you know, I think we all have to keep an open mind about um, folks coming into conversations or coming into learnings or coming into trainings, all at different levels, all at different understandings, right? So Meet the Moment was sort of created to, mm. to, to form this foundation for employee, employee population. And our goal in creating the uh, initiative was really simple. We wanted to engage our employee population. We wanted to educate them and we wanted to, to empower them. And um, I had mentioned earlier that we had a mix of people that were involved in this program that we showed. Um, we did have our leaders um, come in and talk about our ongoing, our, our own ongoing efforts around diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and accessibility across the company. So again, tying back to educating our population. So um, this this misalignment that we heard about, you know, bringing awareness to what we are doing and the action that we are taking and how we're feeling, our stance, our philosophy, et cetera. Um, you know, the external experts that we brought in uh, focused on addressing and learning sort of micro behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then sharing um, or, or underscoring the importance of creating that allyship right in the workplace because we all have a role in it whether or not we feel like we're we're you know diverse right so um again that the program uh is absolutely fantastic amazing i think everyone again regardless of of, of where they're coming from um has taken something from it 
right? Um, and it's a program that was designed to be intentional, mm. um, current and, and future focused, right? It wasn't something that we wanted to just roll out and, and that was it sort of as action. We wanted it to be engaging and smart and challenging. And again, really go back to that being a shared experience for everyone across our organization. Uh, remind me, Susan, how many, how many people did this reach in the organization? How many people got involved or participated in this? Sure. So we have a population of about 35,000 employees globally. So it's it's real scale. And to your point, it wasn't a once off. It's been a continuation through the year for core events right. to drive it. And you mentioned, obviously, that it's been, you know, it's not been one sided, that the dialogue is there, that it's it's participation rather than just pushing information right. at the audience. How important is that, that two-way involvement with the teams? If you're running an inclusivity initiative uh, to try and bridge that gap between the perception of what we're doing and what we're actually doing, how important right. is it, do you think, in your experience to have that that um, that involvement from the team, not just kind of one-way messaging? Right. Oh, it's, it's so important. Like you said, you can't just teach right or share and expect people to learn you have to put it into action and i think that having listening sessions and you know mm. i said to you, you have to, we have to listen right and having focus groups uh part of the meet the moment we created sort of resource guides after and conversation starters uh for people to use after watching these sessions um you know employees want to want to share how they feel and they want to know that they're being heard and that mm. their opinion matters and that you know what they're sharing will will lead to real change. So it cannot be a one way, right? It has to be a constant dialogue um, and sort of uh, reassessing, right? And and mm. moving forward. And so so going back to the kind of talent acquisition and recruiting side of things, Susan, like we are in a an incredibly unusual market at the moment right, right? It's, it's so difficult to find talent um I, how important do you think it is from an employer brand perspective let's say um that nbc universal is seen to be really active in this space um doing stuff consistently across the business for attracting great talent to the organization like do you see that day to day do you see that correlation between you know perhaps some of the peers you would hire from sure uh, candidates are asking Right. And I don't think that, you know, I, I've been in recruiting for about 17 years and I, you know, now more than ever, we have candidates asking about what we're doing in the space and how we feel about this and some of the initiatives that we're taking. So we're certainly hearing it a lot more um, from a TA perspective, what we're doing internally to ensure that, you know, we're keeping this top of mind. Uh, there, there are a number of things that that we're working on. One, I mentioned earlier, our anti-bias hiring manager training, right? So this took a look at um, the sort of end-to-end -end recruiting process. We created and designed this program in partnership with our talent development team, um, HR, legal, uh, talent acquisition. Um, and we started out with uh, training about bias uh, and how it creeps up you know, in the interview process, uh, we started out with our direct hiring managers of open open roles. And then we started out with another group of hiring managers just in general, whether or not they had jobs mm -hmm. open currently. Um, and then we spanned across every single people leader. You know, we offered these, these trainings um, and we didn't stop there. Then we went to folks that were part of the interview process, our interviewers, right? So it wasn't just people managers, we have mm. other folks that are part of our interview process as well. So 
Um, I thought that was a fantastic initiative that we did because again, like I mentioned, is sometimes we have bias that we don't even know it's there, right? Um, so we need to be made aware that these things are real, that these biases um, are real and that we should uh, identify them and then address them and correct them, right? Um, another initiative that we took, <clears throat> the Global Talent Acquisition Team created a hiring manager toolkit, right? Um, it's a SharePoint site filled with a ton of resources for our hiring managers and HR professionals that, you know, through the, um, that touch on all the sort of inflection points in a recruitment process. Um, we have an entire DEI section there. So we, we've trained our hiring managers um, on how to create inclusive job descriptions, right? Um, and it, it doesn't stop there, right? So it's not just an action like, hey, we've created this. It's, hey, we have this resource. And every time we have a kickoff with one of our hiring managers, you know, we're embedding this link uh, in, our, in our Outlook invitations. We're embedding it in our conversations that we have with our businesses to say, hey, we have this toolkit. Hey, there are these resources there. So we're like constantly uh, sharing it with our businesses. Um, one other thing that I'll mention about, you know, again, just tying it back to the talent acquisition team, we have a um, dedicated DEI operations role that sits in TA. And this person, and this is a relatively new role, I think it's, uh, we just sort of created it less than two years ago, but this person is a centralized sort of role and function that helps us in TA um, create partnerships and strategies with not only our internal ERGs, but with external uh, organizations um, and events, right? And so this person acts as a, a liaison between all things DEI, DEI and TA and sort of like constantly brings it back to TA and constantly brings it externally and internally and connecting all the dots. Um, and it's been great to have that person mm -hmm. and have a centralized sort of focus area and just sort of top of mind with, you know, with everything that we're doing. I, lo I love you sharing these initiatives because for those those uh, listeners out there live and on the podcast, um, it's important to understand, you know, I, I, I believe, and I'm sure you do, Susan, these are becoming table stakes right. to do TA in a competitive environment like we're at the moment. I, I go back to the lever survey that was reported in Inc. recently. They listed a bunch of uh, steps on their survey. I think they surveyed 1,000 leaders and 500 leaders, 1,000 folks um, around what they're doing. And 43% said they're making sure job postings are worded to eliminate bias. That's where everyone starts, right? Write better job specs. Um, you know, posting jobs in non-traditional outlets, 37%. Mm -hmm. Raising educational requirements, you know, sorry, replacing educational requirements with skills or competencies, 36%. It's great. Standardizing interview questions and rubrics, which is really important, but isn't going as far as what you've discussed, which is really working to try and change the behaviors and the awareness right. and knowledge of every interviewer, hiring manager, et cetera, and using data and insights to uncover and address potential biases in the process uh, is 31%, right? So so there's there's, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that folks are doing in, in that article from Inc., which we'll share, lists what I would consider the basics, right? But it, it is, to your point, going beyond that. Because uh, I read, I read, um, I read last week, I actually got an, an email from Indeed, and they commissioned a piece of research, I think it was in the UK, uh, for for 16 to 20 year olds, right? So you're kind of uh, Gen Zs coming into mm -hmm. the workplace, et cetera. And um, I think 46% of the respondents in this age group, which is the next generation of our workforce that we'll all be hiring for, if not hiring for today already, said that they would not work for an, or would not work for an organization that had a gender pay gap. 
Like not, not that they wouldn't prefer to, but wouldn't work. It's half that population, right? Coming into the workforce in the next few years. So, you know, those out there running recruiting teams, influencer recruiting teams, you know, you look at what we have to do to compete in the great resignation and everything else that's out there, whatever way you want to call it. You know, this is, this is coming even, you know, in, in bigger waves. And I do believe it's driven by what, and in a really positive way, it's driven um, largely by what's happening in, in mainstream media, in the roles that are, you know, people are seeing on the big screen and on their small screens as well through their streaming services in a very positive way. That's the, that's the effect, you know, just to connect the dots for a second, the, you know, what NBCU is able to do on a big scale, you know, influence what's on your phone or on your cinema screen, right down to what you can do on a, on a micro level in terms of the day-to-day hires the organization uh, makes, they connect because mm-hmm. the candidates who you turn up for all of our jobs are influenced by what NBCU and others are doing in mainstream media, which changes the requirements when they turn up for an interview with all of us because they expect more. It's wonderful to see that connection that the organization is making, Susan, across mm-hmm. across the board. So w- when you look at measurement, because I want to move to that for a second, it was brought up as one of the challenges in the Inc. articles, I think only something like 30-something percent of organizations um, said they measured uh, the outcomes, which is kind of astonishing to me, right? Um, how you get a budget for something without measuring it. It isn't always easy to measure these outcomes. And we mm. talked about time before we went on air, but I wonder, could you walk me through your thoughts on measurement? You know, what perhaps NBCU have been doing to measure what's working, what's not, what's not working, maybe the hard and soft sure. metrics that you think could work. Sure. Like you said, they're they're hard and soft metrics, right? They're things that we can easily measure. They're quantifiable, and then others not so much are, are softer measurements. Um, I mentioned we did a, we do a survey, right, every two years, and earlier this year we did a additional focus on the inclusion uh, sort of aspect of it, and we ask our employees to rate. Uh, the statement of uh, I believe NBC Universal is committed to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion as a company, and nearly 90% of the participants uh, agreed to that statement in a favorable manner. So we think, you know, that's fantastic. When we talk about measurements, um, when we measure the things that we can, right, and we have this demographic information, I think companies are trying to figure out, like, what's the benchmark? right? What does good look like? What does, what does um, great look like in terms of representation? I had been working on uh, about two years ago, um, a, a big recruiting strategy around bringing diversity into our technology positions. And, uh, you know, we have these conversations around percentages and, and benchmarks and what we would like to see achieve or sort of the direction we want to go in. And I started to do some research externally about, well, what are other companies doing, right? What are they saying and what are they doing? Uh, what Where are they at? And then I realized that, you know, some of these large tech companies didn't start measuring their diversity data until about six years ago, mm-hmm. right? So, so times are changing and these companies are adapting and they're flexing with the times, which is absolutely the right, you know, right thing to do. But once you get those numbers and you understand the demographics, both internally, we have to look externally and understand what does the marketplace look like? Are there gaps there? You know, do we need more uh, more promotion of, of education around uh, roles in, in news and in journalism, right, from these underrepresented communities, right? Is that population there? Mm-hmm. If it's not, why? 
And what can we do to sort of, you know, uh, bridge that gap? So it's not just about folks that are graduating and ready to work. I think we need to to take it even further back, right? And understand like our, yeah, exactly. And we've got, so I just want to read a quick comment from Kathy Iverson. Great to have you listening again, Kathy. It's a great conversation. It needs to be talked about more. Awareness and understanding is key to changing the way we approach mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion. It needs to be, become a normal part of our culture. Can't agree right. with you more than that, right. Kathy. And, and, you know, your point around the initiatives, um, Susan, is, is really well made. You know, when I talk to organizations about how do you get there, you know, what I've seen it work best is when you operationalize this stuff and you actually, rather than just saying general, we want to achieve this target, that target, it's like, well, that target has to be broken down. And, and I, I, my head works that way. You know, I've always worked that way, whether it's a sales target or a recruiting target, it's like, you got to hire a thousand people. Okay. Let me, I want to, I want to, I want to know where every one of them is coming from. I want right. to not just go generally, but work harder. Work harder is not a strategy, right? I will do better. It's not a strategy. But, you know, you have to break it down to, well, this particular department, how are we going to solve it here? We might have a department where we're actually fine for whatever lens of diversity we're trying to focus on. We're, we're doing great. Um, pardon me. And then you might ask yourself, well, well, can we retrain some of those folks if they're interested to move over in this department that pays more money? It's hard to find that level of diversity for that skill. So can sure. we create opportunity for them? And, you know, it, it becomes, I, I think, a bigger issue than TA, right? So. You know, and this is when I talk to leaders about, you know, how are they doing their DEI strategies in TA? You you reach a point, Susan, I'm sure you've reached it yourself, where you start to realize maybe you, from day one, you always knew this. It's it's not just about what TA can do. So a lot of focus is, is put on recruiting to fix the diversity right. issues. Let's hire more diverse talent and it'll all be fine. Those of us who've been working hard to try and do this realize you can't do it alone. I'm, I'm interested to hear your story in terms of, how you work with others, other peers in the business, you know, what does that look like? And, and how, how is there a kind of connected thread between all the different aspects of you know, hiring, retention, a career development, internal mobility, um, all of that? How does that all connect? What's your sure. experience of how does it, when, when it works well, what does it look like? Right. I, I think you said it uh, earlier that I, we tend to look at TA, right? Like what are we bringing into the organization? Um, and then sort of like all eyes are on TA, but I think it's a multi-pronged approach, right? It's our it's our group in partnership with uh, the business and our HR business partners, our DEI folks, our ERGs, et cetera. Um, I'll share with you one of, one of the programs that we launched a few years ago, we did it as a pilot was around, um, we call it act two. Uh, was was really focused on women, but we were open to men in the program too. Um, hiring folks who have taken a two plus year uh, sabbatical in their work career and helping them get back into the workforce, especially in the field of technology, right? And it was um, it wasn't a TA initiative, right? We had our partners in organizational development. We had our L&D folks. We had HR folks and we had the business, right? Mm -hmm. We had to have everyone on board to say, we are committed to this effort and we are Mm -hmm. going to be open-minded and we are going to consider folks that have taken this bridge in their career and now want to get back in. So, and we started small, right? With just a a handful of people and sort of it gained traction then across the, the enterprise and it's still growing and we're still working on it. Uh, but we're learning as we go and we're assessing as we go. One of the other uh, things I'll mention and that we've seen sort of a, a shift lately these past two years is that we have a dedicated uh, centralized DEI corporate team, right? Um, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think we 
we've had sort of a chief diversity officer, I think now for over 16 years, right? So that role in that team is not new to us. But what is new is that in all of our businesses across NBC Universal, you know, I, I might have mentioned we have a Bravo, E, Telemundo, Golf, do we have the news division, we have sports, we have Olympics, et cetera. Uh, we have embedded senior uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion leads into these businesses that we've never had before, like mm -hmm. in sports and in ad sales and in, and in TV and in our stations. Um, historically, we had these, um, these DEI leaders um, in some of our other groups like film and TV and streaming and news, but now it's sort of like... Um, uh, like I said, normalized, like now we have it across all of our businesses and, and these folks are all talking to each other, but they themselves and their particular businesses are responsible for driving that progress in the content in the talent development in the engagement in the retention and the recruitment. Um, so we, we have sort of the right people in the, in the right conversations. Right. I love that. And I, you know, I love that it's it's being normalized, that it's being extended everywhere. It's just what it's not something that we're trying out or doing as an initiative. It's just what we do. Right. It's how we work, how we how we hire, it's how we promote, it's how we uh, collaborate. And I think that comes back to the, the you know, our opening point around the power of, okay. of of a story and the power of influence of, you know, whether it's mass media or it can be just this is how we do it. And, you know, maybe from a recruiter's perspective, if you always produce diverse shortlists, the diversity fades away and it becomes people. Right. And th the more diverse talent you keep putting in front of hiring managers, the more normalized it is. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was reflecting on um, uh, Joe Lockwood, who joined us on the show a couple of weeks ago. And actually, I'm completing my training for social talent. We have to do our social talent training as a leadership team every week and mm -hmm. discuss it on Thursday morning. And this we're working our way through a DEI program this, this quarter. And we're watching stories from folks from different backgrounds, sharing their their their, their hardships, and you know, uh, listening to Joe Lockwood and some of the 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 kind of resistance she met, and this is as a a, a trans uh, woman that you know it's quite visible, and you know it can be shocking to a hiring manager who expects somebody who is you know in, in a more binary type uh, um, uh, you know uh, role, and how she knows she can prove, but knows she's been marginalized. But, you know, if it's the 25th trans candidate you've interviewed this year, right? It, thankfully, it's a candidate, you know, you, you no matter who you are, you're, that's going to normalize things for you. But you, ha you can educate, you can inform, but to your point around experience, you kind of have to just make it part of the experience. And, you know, I think what NBCU is doing is fantastic with some of the other media companies around normalizing it in mass media. But how a recruiting team can normalize it as well by getting involved in activities, driving these, working with colleagues in organization development, talent management, et cetera, to make it just a normal thing. It's just what we do. We have a diverse right. bunch of folks, a diverse bunch of candidates. It's always going to be this way. Let's just move on. I think it's fantastic. Susan, um, I want to just get your last thoughts on this. Um, you know, what do you think is next? You know, when you look at uh, initiatives that you're looking at, thinking of for the team, for the business, or even what, what the wider business and your peers are doing. What's kind of next for NBCU on this journey when Meet the Moment kind of wraps up on its final session? What, what, what's next for the organization? What are you seeing uh, or hoping for? Sure. Um, I, it has to be continuous, right? So I know Meet the Moment was a year-long initiative, and we've just sort of hit that one-year mark. Um, 
we we hope that it's embedded in our day to day in our conversations um, moving forward. Right. Um, I think that the DEI teams and in our individual businesses are fantastic. I'd love to see what's what's going to come out of them. And then if we can join forces. Right. Um, because NBCU is made up of so many different companies in our portfolio. We can sometimes um, get stuck in our own silos supporting just sports or just TV and film. Right. Talent acquisition is centralized across all of our businesses. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us and TA to uh, support our businesses at a much larger scale that we've not been able to do so before. Um, one of the other things I'll share is that as of last week, you know, there are there are tools and technologies that are coming out, right? That are helping sort of de-bias uh, um, job descriptions and job postings and applications and resumes and profiles, which is pretty interesting. You know, we haven't uh, really signed up for anything yet, but but are looking, you know, and we're open to exploring. So I'm really excited about what's to come in 2022. It is great to see. I saw on an email on Monday, Carrot, uh, which has become a really popular um, tool used by organizations around tech talent for interviewing uh, around driving more diversity, you know, has reached a, a billion dollar valuation as an organization because they're scaling so much. So it's wonderful to see, wonderful to see not just talent technology, but talent technology focused on diversity being, being really popular. Uh, Susan, thanks so much for sharing. Um, I say a little bit, but it seems a lot of what NBC are doing around diversity and inclusion, both in terms of mainstream media and also the talent acquisition team. I'm going to pose one final question to you, if you don't mind, Susan. I'm, sure. Uh, having seen probably some previous episodes, you know what's coming. Um, I'd love for episode 76 for you to share with us one last piece of wisdom, advice uh, with our audience that can be either something that you know, you have developed yourself through your own experience or perhaps was passed on to you by somebody else that you think would be appropriate to leave with our audience here today. Sure. I, that's a that's a good question. I feel like I have so much to, to share and so much advice to give. Um, I have never seen a market like this, right, that, that we're in today in this hyper competitive market. Um, and in TA, I'm sure, you know, all TA professionals are feeling this across uh, uh, the globe is this pressure to produce and to move faster. Um, and, you know, my advice is for TA professionals is to um, keep pushing forward, right? Uh, uh, be persistent, don't give up. Um, it can be a grind sometimes, but I encourage people to be flexible um, and to be creative. Right. I, I feel oftentimes we get stuck in doing things certain ways because we've always done it that way. Right. So be open minded, uh, learn from others. Um, and, and sometimes we have to step back from the daily grind to really take a look at our, our desk and our work and, and see if we can do something differently or smarter or more efficient, um, especially to operate and be competitive in this environment. So. I think that there's no no nothing better than a crisis, call it a talent <laughs> crisis, right there, to force innovation and change. You know, right. when your back is against the wall and working harder isn't a solution anymore, you got to try and change things. I think you get right. great innovation from that. And if you don't mind me plugging, just those for those of you in the markets that Susan has recruiters in, uh, Susan's hiring in her team. Your team is expanding. I believe you're, you're growing, and you know, uh, uh, NBCU is on fire and growing at the moment as well with Peacock and everything else that recently launched. So. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you're uh, a, a talented talent acquisition professional looking for a role in an exciting industry, I'm sure Susan's team would appreciate you checking out their career site and sure. checking out some of those vacancies as well. Uh, Susan, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back again to seeing how the journeys continue. And thanks for sharing everything today. Great.
Great. Thank you so much, Johnny. You're welcome. And thank you for joining us live and for joining us on the podcast as well. We're going to be back next week, um, same time. That's the 24th of November, Wednesday, 24th of November. The live show will be out 4 p.m. UK Irish time. That's 9, 11 a.m. on the East Coast, uh, 8 a.m. on the West Coast of the U.S. And we're going to be talking with a good friend of mine, Colin Donnery, uh, about an untapped talent pool of diverse talent, the unemployed. Yes, they're still out there. We've just talked about how there's a great resignation and it's never been hard to recruit. But interestingly, unemployment rates haven't gone down to record lows. There still are a lot of folks out there unemployed. And Colin's got a unique perspective. I've known Colin for many years. He's worked as the uh, chair of the National Recruitment Federation here in Ireland, but day-to-day runs both one of our biggest recruitment agencies in the country, FRS Network. He's also the founder and director of Tourist Nua, which provides, um, uh, on behalf of the government, opportunities for unemployed folks to get back to work and works with more than half, I think, the, of the Irish population of unemployed uh, individuals to get them back to work. So unique expect, perspective, running a recruitment agency and working with um, tens of thousands of folks to get them back to work. Colin's going to be talking talking about this potential pool of diverse talent that really is untapped and perhaps not considered enough, the unemployed. That's going to be next week on Wednesday, 24th of November. But if you can spare 90 minutes this week more, we have a very special event coming up tomorrow. For those of you listening, it may, you may have missed it, but if you're getting the podcast just as it drops or listening live, it's Thursday, the 18th of November is Social Talent Live. We run ST Live every two months. And tomorrow we're going to be joined by some fantastic guests to talk about hiring at scale during the great resignation. So Barbara Lee from Nielsen, Kim Pope from Wilson HCG, Kevin Blair from Salonis, Daniel Monash from Uber uh, are all going to be joining us um, tomorrow. That's at the same time as our shortlist. So that's 4 p.m. UK time, 11 a.m. New York time, 8 a.m. LA time. And it's going to be a live event for 90 minutes with two panels and a fireside chat interview hosted by my good friends Jason Lawrence and Bev Kay and others as well as myself you can register now still at socialtalent.com forward slash live for that great show going out live tomorrow if you don't catch it if you're listening to the podcast after we've already broadcast don't worry we'll be back in january and you can register for january's event at the same site socialtalent.com forward slash live until then thanks so many for joining us hope you've enjoyed 76 we'll be back next week with 77 <music>